Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Um, so what do you got, Ira? You were saying you're talking about money mindset. Well, you know, a lot, we do a lot of education. And one of the workshops that we talk about is about um, your, the conscious investing for peace of mind. Yeah. And I came across this article, is your money mindset unhealthy? You can change it. So five different ways to change your mindset. Number one, identify your money beliefs. Now, we talked about that. And the first step uh, to improve your money mindset is to identify the healthy beliefs you want to keep and the unhealthy ones that no longer serve you. Start with creating a list of financial decisions you made in the last week or month or just pick whatever time period that you want. And for each decision, ask yourself three questions. You ready for these? Go. Why did I make this decision? Did the decision align with my values? Another way of looking at that is, does my decision align with my purpose? What's my purpose for money? How do I feel about that, that decision? And the reason why you want to do this is the goal is to reflect on your decisions and to gain awareness of what influenced them. Now, just thinking about that first uh, set of choices, uh-huh. you know, that, that presupposes that you actually had taken some time to nail down what you value and what your purpose is, you know, not just does it line with it, but that means you had to take some time to create that. And I think that's one of the exercises that I enjoy most with clients is helping them actually dig in, dig deep, look inside, look at your surroundings, look at the people in your lives, um, things that you might be passionate about, um, and does, do these things, are you driven towards that? Is it, a, is it a purpose of into which you're living? And then the decisions that you've made regarding your money, do they actually align with those decisions or that purpose? Right. Yeah. Uh, number two is go from reflective to introspective. The first step was about reflecting on decisions they already made. This, this step is about being introspective on financial decisions that you have yet to make. So before tapping that credit card or hitting buy now, which I'm guilty of, on your favorite e-commerce site, ask yourself the same three questions with the presence of mind. Why am I making this decision? Does it align with my values or my purpose? And how will this decision make me feel? Yeah. I mean, how many times, and I could think about it, um, and I do, when I get something that I ordered online because I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning and <laughs> I couldn't fall back to sleep and I grabbed my phone and started looking at Amazon and made purchases and I get it. I'm like, I didn't really need this. Why did I buy this? Now, you could return it. Yeah, I know that. And I do. I return some stuff. <laughs> but, you know, they, you know yeah, Amazon penalizes you if you return too much stuff. You know that, right? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've only returned like two things in 10 years. Yeah. 
<laughs> so examining your decisions before you make them can, over time, put you in control of your thoughts and your feelings driving them. Because the reality is this. If you can't control your mindset when it comes to your money, you will never, ever be able to control your money. The money will rule you. Right. Okay? Right. So you really have to know why you're making these. And it's very important. You know, it's a decision between you know, saving $100 a month for your retirement or saving $125 a month for your retirement. Uh, you know, for someone that has, you know, a five to 10 year time period, that extra $25 a month might not be a lot. Right. But for somebody that is starting at 22, just out of college, and now they're making more money than what their allowance was when they were going to college and mom and dad had them on their payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so now they want to start saving money. That extra money that they save... You know, instead of uh, the latte every morning at Starbucks for five dollars, mm-hmm. that money, that twenty five dollars a month, can actually add up. Oh yeah, with the compound interest for the rest of your life. Yep, absolutely, um, and and definitely generate um, a much better retirement income. Uh, look for autopilot moments. Number three, you know, we're all creatures of habit, so think about the decisions that you make every day. And how many of them do touch money? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, we run businesses, right? Right. And a lot of the things that we do, and I'm sure there's a lot of business owners out there that are listeners, or, you know, you don't have to be a business owner when you're making decisions. But all of the decisions that you make may end up touching money, or a lot of the decisions that you make may end up touching money in some way. It, if you're, in terms of saying, t- talking about touching money, mm-hmm. Are you saying that there is some financial implication of that decision? And the reason I'm asking that, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, going out. Um, my bride and daughter went to a baby shower out of out of state, and so I was, I was left taking care of the chickens before I came down to the station this afternoon, and you know, grabbed a few eggs out of the coop, set them, you know, set them next to the counter, and or on the counter, and. We're doing that because we didn't want to pay $10 for mass production eggs, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's a financial decision. Now, you could say, okay, there's a health twist to that as well. But if you really start thinking about it, almost 100% of our decisions affect money somehow or are impacted by that, I would bet. Well, and 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 there, there were basically three different choices there. Yeah. You know, number one is to go out to the hen house and pick up the eggs yep, and go in and fry them up or boil them or however you right. choose them, yeah. right? Uh, another one is to go down to the market, pick up the dozen eggs for $7, $8, depending upon whether you're buying those, yep. you know, small white eggs that, or those, you know, big brown, healthy organic eggs. They're much, much different in prices. And then the third choice is to go over to um, your favorite breakfast restaurant. Yeah. You know, so each one of those three do have financial decisions. Correct. Right. Now, even wanting to be healthy and having those free-range hens that are 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 ma- making eggs for you, you know, there's still the cost of the feed Gotta for feed the chickens for the hens. And we we have the most spoiled chickens in Marshall County, I think. <laughs> and then there's also the time factor. Yeah. Um, of leaving work, uh-huh. maybe not seeing another client, 
and going home and working the, the, the you know, working the farm. So that too is a cost of, of in some way touching money. Right. Yeah. It yeah. impacts a lot. Yeah. Um, so a lot of our lives is on autopilot, you know, mostly everything we do from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, you know, we have our morning routine, mm-hmm. we get up, we take a shower. We don't think about, well, I have to take a shower. Right. We don't think about, right. well, I have to go brush my teeth now. You know, and so time for breakfast and, you know, the coffee maker goes on at 5 a.m. automatically. So we have to become conscious. How much of our lives are we living with intentionality? Right, exactly. You know, and all of these things are going to have an effect when it comes to money and your growth. Now, step number four to taking control of your mindset, your money mindset, is to change your decision framework. Framework. You know, has everyone ever asked you, what are you thinking? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, the, the, the person who wrote this article wrote, I prefer to ask people, how are you thinking? What we think is often just an opinion or a feeling in the moment. And this made me stop and think. Because oftentimes when people say, well, well what, are you, what are you feeling? Well, you know, I'm looking at the news and it doesn't look that good. Right. You know, as opposed to, and I've never had somebody ask me the question, how are you thinking? Correct. How we think is the process we use for decision making. Yeah. How do we evaluate things? Are we, as I think two or two or three series of those questions was, does it line up with our purpose? Mm-hmm. Does it line up with our values? Um yeah. And, uh, you know, going back to kind of the previous question when we we're talking about it and, and you and I both have had some dealings with, uh, Michael Hyatt and some of the teaching and coaching that he had done talked about decision fatigue. And if people were constantly deciding to brush their teeth, deciding to have oatmeal that morning, leads to making poor money decisions because you're just worn out from making choices all the time as opposed to having routines and then focusing on kind of the how you think. Mm -hmm. What do I actually devote time to to make a great decision? Yeah. So a decision framework includes defining the desired outcomes that you want, Mm -hmm. reviewing the information that's available to you, and the gaps in that information, developing alternatives, evaluating options, and making the final decision. You know, it's kind of what I talked about in the end of our last, seg- our last segment in the last hour is that there are two ways to invest. Mm-hmm. One is based on the academic evidence of investing. Correct. And the other is based on some sto- story that's made up that right. all you're doing is really hoping for the best. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about story a lot uh, with clients and on the show and story doesn't even mean it has to rank up there with a fairy tale. Right. You know, I think sometimes if we say story, people hear some just outlandish thing that couldn't be true. A story is simply, oh, I think 3D printing is going to change the world. And so that's where I'm going to invest. You know, I mean, it's just we don't really know that. That's purely a forecast. That's just a story you've made up. Um, one of the most recent examples of how quickly stories can change, as opposed to academic research, 
is uh, and and we don't have to delve into the politics of it, but the hubbub around uh, Musk's comment uh, on a Twitter uh, or an X thing where he, you know, all of a sudden you've got this huge storm. I haven't even looked to see if anything moved with Tesla stock, but just one little tweet misspoken to or believed either one totally changes the story. And all of a sudden an investor is back to, oh gosh, what am I going to do next? I've got a new story. You know, it's interesting that you bring up Elon Musk because I just finished his biography, Yeah, which is a phenomenal read. Mm-hmm. It really is phenomenal read. And, you know, he talks about, you know, maybe he bought Twitter in, in haste. Maybe <laughs> it was the worst decision. He'll probably figure out how to monetize it. Sure. Um, but he said one of the things that he has done is he says, he says, I've shot myself in the foot so many times on Twitter, I probably should buy Kevlar boots. <laughs> um, or maybe we need to add a delay button, a delay response right. button into Twitter. Just like at the station. Yeah. And <laughs> it just talks about, you know, I, I highly recommend reading the book. Um, but just to finish up that last one, it's, you yeah. know, the more structure we have around our decisions, the greater clarity and consistently we can apply to our own money. And the last one is change your environment. Yeah. And okay. I know that you're working okay. on that because you just showed me some uh, pictures yes. of what you're doing to clean out. I'm doing out. my fall organizing of the closet in my home office. Yeah. It says your environment is both physical, your actual location, and social to people you are around you. Both act as invisible hands that shape your decisions. And I tell my son this all the time. Show me who your five friends are, Mm -hmm. and I'll show you who you are. While your physical environment can influence your behaviors, I like to focus on the people we choose to include in our lives. And, you know, that's really... Very important, I think, especially to be a successful investor is when you make the choice of whether you choose academic investing or something made up about investing. Right. Yeah. And, and those are really the two choices. You want to hang out with people that actually share that same mindset. Yes. Yeah. Find people that right. are solid in the academics and will educate you on the academics or just find some people to just go out, get drunk, have fun, and get the latest hot tip that you don't want to miss out on. Right. The, uh, yeah, good point. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how, uh, how uh, congruent your mindset and your financial decisions actually can be and need to be to achieve success. Great article. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. You know, a lot of times out there, if you're a parent of a prospective college student or a current 
college student, you would have already been getting together your information to fill out your FAFSA for next year, uh, the free application for federal student aid. And, uh, you know, they've, the government in their infinite wisdom has actually simplified the FAFSA. Uh, But it's interesting as you start to read through that, number one, they, for the most part, have only simplified the online FAFSA. The paper, uh, the paper forms that you fill out still look like you're trying to complete a tax return with pen and paper, you know, or pencil and, you know, calculator. It's about 22 pages or something like that. Let me guess um, the simplification. <laughs> How much money did your parents earn? Yep, they could pay for your college. <laughs> well, I, that's maybe the online version. But the interesting thing is usually the, the forms for the next year have already been released. Uh, and they haven't. They're going to be released sometime in December. I don't even think they've made the date public yet. So if if you're usually an early filer, don't despair. They just haven't created the forms yet for you to do that. And I don't even think the forms are available online either. But I want to read uh, just kind of some summary. This is actually out of the New York Times, believe it or not. Um, but, you know, the new form aims to simplify the process of applying for college aid because it's been found that those who complete a FAFSA are more likely to attend college. Now, that's one of those correlation causation things. I'm not sure how many people that aren't planning to attend college even fill out a FAFSA. But apparently, if you apply to school versus I apply to school and I fill out a FAFSA, you're more likely to actually attend class, uh, which was kind of interesting. Along with updating the form, the federal government is expanding eligibility for federal aid in the biggest overhaul in decades. But here's, you know, there's, there's always a cloud in front of the silver lining when the government is concerned. But some families with more than one child in college at the same time may qualify for less assistance. That's because the overhaul also tweaked the form's underlying aid formula, effectively eliminating a sibling discount. Now, I don't know if you ever had two kids in school at the same time, but basically how it works, you know, the the FAFSA just for those that maybe haven't completed one and uh, count your lucky stars, but... Uh, it's almost like filling out a tax return. You list your income and assets and then the income and assets of the student. And it comes up with a formula used to be called the expected family contribution. They're even changing that term, I believe, for the 24-25 school year. And let's just say that your expected family contribution, once you put your all, your numbers through the meat grinder, was ten grand. The government says you can pay $10,000 to send your kid to school without being destitute. Well, if you had two children in school, the formula would take that into account and basically say, okay, you can spend 5000 per kid for college. Or, you know, and there's a little bit of a tweak to it. You know, it might be 6000 per child or something. But anyway, you get a huge discount on your expected family contribution if you had more than one child in school. And a lot of times that would be a planning tip that we would suggest for clients. You know, maybe your spouse can go back and take six hours of coursework or something like that so that you have multiple students. Well, they are getting rid of the benefit of, you know, a discount for having more than one child in college at the same time. 
And here's the the rationale. Um, you know, the government's, of course, always about fairness, but they never seem to to get it right. One rationale for the change is that financing a college education now involves long-term saving and borrowing. And it isn't something that most people can pay for uh, pay for with their current income. So it's unfair to give a break to families because they have twins, as I do, or children close in age attending college simultaneously, but not to people with children spaced further apart. So, so basically they're saying, well, you had your children close together, so you shouldn't get any benefit of financial aid because you should have waited five years before you had your next kid. Right, not five and, minutes. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and so there is some merit to the argument. I can see the math behind it. But with everything that goes on with government spending and all of those kind of things, you would think that they would be trying to plug some other hole first than having, you know, kids in the same family receive, you know, aid at school. And, you know, it's it's kind of squirrely how all that stuff plays out. The uh, I know your kids went to school. Ours, you know, ours were both military. And so uh, we actually didn't have to fill out. FAFSAs for the boys. Um, I filled out FAFSAs for both my kids. They were in school one year. My daughter was a senior. My son was a freshman. We filled it out for my son because we were living in Florida when my daughter was enrolled in college. Uh And she decided that she was, and you know, we had the lottery back then and she was entitled to 75% or 80% of her college to be paid for. And she decided she was leaving uh, that school and going to another school in Pennsylvania. And she lost all the rights to any of the money. And I said to her, you're on your own for it. I'm not, I'm not paying for it because 75% of your school is paid for. Yeah. Um, you know, so when she did graduate, I offered to match her student loan payment with mm-hmm. the intention of getting her used to putting that money aside for two years. Yeah. And then telling her, and right, I'm going to pay off the balance of it. Um, as so I said, give me your uh, username and password to be able to get online to the website for the student loan. And I will go online and I will match your payment. Mm-hmm. And they'll pay it off in four or five years. Yeah. Um, she did that for about three months. I went on the fourth month. I made the payment anyway. And the fifth month, I saw she didn't make it. And I didn't make it because I figured, you know what? If you're not going to be responsible, I'm not responsible for you. Yeah. Okay. But she also had the attitude that it was my responsibility to pay for her college because she didn't right. choose to be born. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things you can do to get ready till they get the form is uh, you are going to have to register. I think even if you fill out a paper form, you're going to have to register with get a student ID and so forth on the government website. Uh, federal, Just, you know, Google Federal Student Aid ID or something. It'll take you there. Um, and just be prepared that when you get your first result, if you're used to crunching those numbers, chances are it's going to be a little bit higher than you expected in terms of what you'll be responsible for. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. 
Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.